Belgium is the newest brewery to cash in. Lagunitas still proves that they are the weirdest stoners on the planet. And a scientist at Colorado State might make a fresh hop a year-round. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. This is the answer to the question, what if NPR was just a couple of drunks in a room that say the word fuck a lot? I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> Need a minute, Tyler? I'm <laughs> good. I'm good. Uh, that's an A+, plus, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. It felt pretty good when I was writing it down. <laughs> How are you this evening? The fuck a lot, really, was what got me. <laughs> well, apparently we do. We say That's the word. my favorite word. Uh, I'm doing excellent. I had a few beers out with some friends before coming to record this and brought a beer that i'm really excited to try and which one is that it is fremont uh, it is fremont brewing's 2019 barrel aged dark star with chocolate vanilla and maple syrup why do you bring such awful beer to the podcast I, i'm just trying to clear it out i mean just i mean this atrocious. is atrocious uh, this is a dessert beer uh it's just spectacularly smooth rich rich dark chocolate the uh with uh, quite a bit of maple um it's almost it, it is edging out on a little bit too sweet for me i i may be a couple beers in talking but i think it's the perfect amount of sweetness the maple syrup to me is subtle but i get it right towards the back end uh and then a nice vanilla with that kind of chocolate and roast maybe it's maybe it's vanilla i'm getting well no i feel like Oh, the maple is pretty prominent to me. Um, maybe I'm just getting more of it. Or Again, like I said, I'm a couple beers in, so... <laughs> well, it's important to be half drunk when we're doing this podcast, so, uh, well, let's uh, get the rest of the way there. Um, I think everybody's pretty much guessing what we're, our main story is going to be, even before they, uh, they heard the headlines. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Another one bites of dust, and another one down, and another one down. There, we're gonna get suited. <laughs> but did they? <laughs> but did they? I don't know, Tyler. Did they? Honestly, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so from looking through, um, so Lion Little World Beverages, which is owned by Curran, uh, a Japanese beer mm-hmm. uh, conglomerate. Uh, and that's one of their subsidiaries. Just purchased New Belgium Brewing out of Colorado, as most people have heard. Uh, if which, you didn't, uh, yeah, New Belgium just got uh, uh, just was purchased by a Japanese company. Yep. Which <laughs> I've seen some people freaking out and be like, "Oh, New Belgium should not done that," and it caught me off guard a little when I saw it. But then I was like, "Oh, no, good for them." Uh. For one, it caught me off guard because New Belgium, a couple months ba- back, I remember hearing a rumor that, oh, ABM Bev was going to buy them out. And then they came out and were like, no, we're not going to sell. We're employee-owned. We're happy where we are. And then, so when I saw this, I was like, oh, that kind of caught me off guard. And then I was like, good for them because it's employee-owned. Mm-hmm. So the employees still have to finalize this sale. If the employees decide, nope, fuck Lion Little World or whatever, we don't want to sell. They can still submarine it. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get much that much into this uh, article. I mean, it's so is, uh, hey, do the employees have yet to weigh in? 
Is that what I'm getting? From or? what I've seen, they have yet, but... But it's basically a done deal. I'm assuming the owners, or the founders, ran it by them, and were like, hey, you guys... And I wouldn't see why not, because it was for... So they have 700 employees, 300 employee owners. Mm-hmm. The 300 employee owners will receive more than 100000 in retirement money in the deal per person. That is kind of cool that uh, that at least there's a, a bunch of people getting a payoff. Yeah, where it's not like 10 Barrel or Elysian where it's a small group and the, and the cashing rest of, a fat check. And the rest of the employees just find themselves working for AB InBev. Yeah, where this, the employees are like, oh, sweet. The 300 non-employee owners, yeah, might not be happy, but guess what? You don't have a share in the company, should have got a stake. Where with this now, the ones that do have that stake are like, okay, sweet. We are getting some of the benefit of breaking our back for the last couple of years and really working towards this. Um, On the flip side for uh, the Lion Little World or Little Lion World, um, it's a great move by them to give them a real strong foothold in the United States. I mean, they just scooped up the fourth biggest craft beer producer in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good, pretty good segue because, I mean, the first thing I, 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 when I, when I saw this uh, story was, wait, who the fuck is Lion Little World, Kieran? Um, and uh, I did, I, I did some looking into it uh, uh, today and short answer, it's a gigantic corporate clusterfuck. But here's the here's how it breaks down. Okay, so we got New Belgium. They are now owned by Little World Beverages. Um, this company, as near as I can tell, is basically the Australian version of Sam Adams. Um, Little World started off as Little Creatures Brewing out, uh, out of Fremantle, Western Australia, and their story is kind of cool. They're like the uh, their original uh, head brewer, uh, Phil Sexton, was actually involved in developing Bridgeport's IPA. Oh wow. Um, and when, which we talked about Bridgeport last week. Yeah, so it's kind of weird how that's coming together. Um, he decided with a, a, a few of his friends that he was going, that they wanted to make a build a brewery that was going to make an American IPA, uh, the first of its type in Australia. So in 2000, Little Creatures um, uh, came out with their first beer, the Little Creatures Pale Ale. Uh, it's an American style pale with Cascade and Chinook hops, and it remains their flagship beer to this day. Gotta be expensive getting those hops down there. <laughs> um, fun fact: the their uh, primary brewery was once a uh, a uh, a crocodile zoo, or were they or crocodile pens? Or they raised crocodiles there? That is the most like Australian thing. That's I've ever That's exactly fucking what heard. I thought. Like <laughs> that is the most Australian story I've ever heard. Um, and incidentally, uh, their uh, their name, according to Wikipedia, comes from either uh, uh, Talking Heads album. Or it's a reference to J.R.R. Tolkien uh, in The Hobbit. There is a line about uh, little creatures running from alehouse to alehouse. So pick your pick your favorite. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Um, in 2009, they started White Rabbit Ales, which appears to do like mostly farmhouse and barrel aged style. So they really are kind of a uh, a craft brand in Australia. Like I said, almost. Almost like a New Belgium or a Sam. I kind of compare more to a Sam, Sam Adams, Adams, just because. As again, without I've never been to Australia, so I'm kind of trying to. I was, all this information I got from either Wikipedia, Untapped, Beer Advocate, or what have you, but it is like a ubiquitous microbrew in Australia. 
Um, in 2012, however, they were bought by Lion. Now, who the fuck is Lion? Uh, Lion goes back to 1840. Um, Damn! In the, they founded the, uh, well, it started with the founding of Hobson Bridge Brewing out of Auckland, New Zealand. Um, so... So keeping it down under. Yeah, so there, so we got, so Australian and New Zealand making sweet love to each other, um, which never the happens. The kiwi and the crocodile. <laughs> it's, but, um, so, I mean, they were, they were, they gradually became one of the biggest breweries in New Zealand. Um, and they actually had a strange period like we did here in America in like the early 20th century where all the smaller breweries just gradually got bought out, sucked up, whatever, by the biggest breweries. Um, and uh, Hobson's Bridge Brewing became that large brewery. They basically are the, uh, the New Zealand's Budweiser. Uh, they sucked up a, uh, a, a company that had the Lion logo, so they, became, they decided to use that as their flagship beer, and thus they became Lion. To me, just a little side note here. They sound more like the Enbev like history, and then when Enbev picked up Anheuser Busch, they became AB Enbev and took the Eagle logo. But that doesn't really change the story. Fair so. enough. Well, and actually, I mean, and they are, and they have a, they have a, a bunch of other things. They're actually the proper name for them is like um, Lion Nathan. Because they own Woolworths, Australia. Oh. So they they also are in dairy and in, in food products. So they got a few other things going on. Uh, and fun fact, in 2009, they tried to acquire Cooper's Brewing out of Australia. Which, and, and that you, makes sense. Um, which is one of the oldest Australian craft brands. It didn't go great. Uh, Cooper's is still family owned to this day. But they tried. Uh, but instead they got their hands on... Uh, Got their hands on the biggest microbrewery operation in Australia. So there we go. So that's Lion. Lion owns Little World. Little World owns owns New Belgium. However, it doesn't stop there because as of also in 2009, Lion became a wholly owned subsidiary of Kitten. Now, who the fuck is Kitten? Um, Actually, you might know this one. Kitten is actually one of the oldest Japanese beer companies uh, and they produce uh, Kitten Ichiban, the Japanese lager. You ever had that one? No, I haven't, but I've seen it. Do you want to? Stand by while we open a... a, a I was going to say the mad dash of keys right here <laughs> to open this beer. All right. So we'll, I thought it'd be a, thought we'd uh, review a, a Japanese beer here for a second. <laughs> take, a, take a moment away from our barrel-aged beer. Because this is going to go well together. Hold, please. Almost as good as your Coors Edge. Yeah, that's coming too. Okay. Well, it smells it smells pretty much like a domestic. You know, faintly yeah. of corn and acetylaldehyde. Yep. Nice clarity on it. Oh yeah. Brilliant clarity and I was going to say I've seen water murkier than this, so especially in Idaho. Uh-huh. When they flush the pipes. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has a try, drinking this after this uh after that barrel age thing is almost like a palate cleanser. Almost, I, I feel like we almost have to roll out. I didn't think I could ever find something more neutral than Coors Light. Maybe we should be using this for the off because you're right. It, I mean, it has like a slight corn sweetness, but um, compared to like Coors Light, it's way drier and neutral and more neutral. So, but anyone, anyway, so that's so so that's Kid and Ichiba. Um, they um they are of course. Made by Kieran. They own a number number of Pacific brands and apparently 25% of Brooklyn Brewing. 
Really? I didn't realize they had a hand in Brooklyn Brewing. It's just weird because they're mostly like they they mostly have uh, uh, breweries in the Philippines and in in Asia and some in Australasia. But yeah, tw- and I just- was gonna say, and it makes sense with the Australia because I had a friend who lived in Australia for a while, and he's like, the cheap beer is all from like the Philippines and Asia that we have there. He's like. Uh, Coors Light is considered a like ultra premium down there, <laughs> and well, and Kieran also does the distributing for Budweiser. Um, I think in J- J- I think in Japan and China, but okay. or at least Japan. Um, and they are your basic, you know, huge mega corporation. There isn't anything they're not. They don't have a little bit into. They have a, they have tentacles in agro business. They have tentacles in pharmaceuticals. Um, yeah, they they basically do about everything. So so. Keeping this in mind, all right, so it's Kieran, owns Lion, owns Little World Beverage. What does this mean for New Belgium? Well, I got a little bit of good news. Um, I've basically spent the day stalking um, little creatures just to see what... I just want to get a sense of um, if there was like a lot of backlash in 2009 when they got bought by... Lion. We're having both have the same problem because we're like that freaking logger. Little world. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's not really. I think uh, 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 Little Creatures is is still pretty dedicated to craft. You know, still a big brewery, but they are still doing kind of cool things. They have their, you know, and that's in, through their brand uh, White Rabbit. Um, so basically they're the New Belgium of Australia. Pretty much. Because New Belgium does a lot of just kind of that basic core voodoo fucking everything that just drives me up the fucking wall and then they do some crazy fun one-off like old world sours yeah so i mean i guess the moral of the story is i didn't see anything in any social media or any or untapped or anything else that suggests that kieran or lion will you know will play much of a role and i think uh little creatures or a little world will let New Belgium kind of continue to be New Belgium. And, I mean, from the business perspective, if I was them, I would. Just because you bought them because you realize that they're the fourth biggest craft brand in the States by barrel production. They've got to that point by doing something right. You want to keep letting them innovate and experiment, which part of me, when I saw that, I was like, okay, sweet. The employees have to sign off on this. They're going to get a chunk of change. This is awesome for them. This is great to see. And it'll help innovate. And I feel, just my personal opinion, New Belgium's been kind of stagnant. And You're not wrong. Yeah. And I feel like outside of some of the sours, but even on the sours, I feel they've got a little stale, boring. and They got La Follet and... Um, La Terror, but and other I, and other French sounding words I butcher. But I mean, outside of like their emperor, they really haven't tried to like push the envelope on anything. Um, and a lot of now the one thing that that does kind of cast a little bit of a dark cloud over this because I and think maybe they will kill that goddamn voodoo ranger. N- nah, no, nah, that voodoo ranger is here to stay, <laughs> Tyler. If for no other reason, just because it pisses you off. The delicious IPA is never gone going away. <laughs> Neither is anything voodoo. Um, you know, the, the articles I did read, they basically painted this as yet another instance of survival. And it kind of makes sense because I don't, it doesn't strike me that an employee owned company would even entertain, um, selling to a, a, a larger corporation unless 
They needed to. Yeah, unless the, that the 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 perspective for the future did not look good. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that they were they were definitely going to go under, but they looked at two paths and they said, "Listen, this we can is get here by walking, or we can get here by rock climbing up a cliff." Correct. I mean, it seemed like look. This way is fraught with peril. This way is good for the owners of this company, and you know it's it's important to do. You know it's 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 uh, in fact a, a required that you do the do uh, what's best for the owners here. Due stuff. diligence, yeah. So, but the part about that that is, I think that it's what we're learning is that we've talked about like there's before like there's this no man's land in between the like trench a, warfare, like a small brewery and then a big brewery, and. We had talked, I think, on the last episode where we talked kind of that no man's land. We were like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like the top ten or so is kind of on that. Right. They made it through the no man's land. But we just saw number four go down. And then I was going to say, we just saw number four request for aid. And so I'm like, (laughs) "That, that no man's land is bigger than we even thought. Well, and they're just like, is there, I mean, is there any safety on the other end? I mean, my my big question, one of the things I brought up, and I think we're going to do this, so stand by. Um, I think by the end of the year, I think me and Tyler should do a, it's going to sound morbid as fuck, but here it goes. Me and Tyler should do a brewery Deadpool. I, I'm down. <laughs> so. so, you know, stay tuned for that. And hey, think about it yourselves and uh, write down the breweries. We'll tell you uh, how you can also predict the death of craft beer coming soon. <laughs> Oh, wow. AB InBev must have cut a check for that one. <laughs> Thank you, AB InBev. That's, that check did clear finally. I'm sorry about all the things. That's a big, gigantic <laughs> lie. Your your beer is basically horse piss. Uh, but, no. So, when I saw that, I was like, that's awesome. Maybe they can innovate a little more. Kind of Because once you get to a certain size, you really have to become cutthroat or partner. Look at Sam Adams' dogfish head. Yeah. It, it's going with that. And I feel... Kirin or Curran doesn't really have a strong foothold in the states. I mean, outside of I mean, again, again Brooklyn beer, and you know they they make uh, Kira Ichiban, which you can get in the United States. Yeah. I have proof. But <laughs> Brooklyn, mainly in Northeast, this gives you more coast to coast distribution with New Belgium. Uh, well, and I don't think I mean if I'm looking at the looking at the sheer scope of Kirin, um I don't think New Belgium is even a blip on their radar. I mean, they're just what this might be is this, this is a U.S. market focus. Yeah, I mean, this is and this is probably a good thing. I mean, so long as so long as Lion keeps making money for Kieran, then they don't really give a fuck what Lion's doing. Mm-hmm. And as long as uh, Little World is making money for Lion, then they don't really care what uh, Little World is doing. Mm-hmm. And again, so I think that's a I think that's a good thing. You're not going to see too much. And the the founders and all the like. Sea level board of New Belgium is all staying on board. Uh, all the employees so far have said they're staying on board, and none of the tap rooms are going to be affected with closures. So I think they're going to kind of stay hands off unless they need to, and it may give New Belgium a new avenue into s- southeastern Asia and mm-hmm. so Australia. I don't know if they're already in those markets or have been eyeing those markets, but if they aren't, it's an easy way to. You've now got a distribution channel. Fair enough. Although I gotta say, it is sad to see a a a, a brewery, an independent brewery of this size, 
lose that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's something very... And some of the reason people have been up in arms is because on the New Belgium tour, they tout, hey, we're employee-owned, we own the company, we're indep- independent as fuck, really. Right. And so I get why there's some blowback, but ultimately, like you said earlier, the founders of the company have a responsibility to do what's best for the owners of the company. And again, you know, without, although something about it just seems weird because at some point in time, how are they not, I mean, maybe that, maybe they're just at a spot where they can't grow anymore realistically. And this is their best chance to, you know, to grow. But how is New Belgium not making money? So just thinking back to some business classes, you've got economies of scale, you've got like thinking back to some of my accounting classes where you've got the cost to produce one more good doesn't necessarily equate to one more good sold because of expanding your system. Mm -hmm. So it goes on a graph where it's super steep on one side and then it's a 45 where you're in the area of expertise and then it's super steep on the other side to get to the next 45. Hmm. And so they may be sitting in one of the steep areas and if they grow a little bit more, they'll be fine. But that little bit more is a massive amount of money. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's just it. And again, I don't know anything about. I was going to say I haven't hopped into their financials. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's you know it's not exactly something we could or even would do because I think if they if they showed me here, I think it was, if they plopped New Belgium's financials in front of me, I my eyes would roll back and I'd fall asleep. It would just. I'd just be like, uh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> but I think it's, and we've seen this with a good amount of the breweries in the top 10 of like craft brewery barrel production is they're struggling to get up to that next step. Whether it's moving from the top 50 to top 25, top 25 to top 10, or top 10 to top 3, or top 3 to top. Um, and I was just thinking, uh, I mean, now, so you're, I mean, right now the biggest independent brewery is Yingling. Um, and follow, I think they will stay that way. Well, Ying, well, I mean, Yingling absolutely will because. Is diehard family owned. Because at this point in time, there's, I mean, they've been around for, uh, for a hundred years. Why screw with it? Um, number two, I think. And is, they've basically de- become a domestic, but they get a slap on the independent craft seal. Um, number two is Sam Adams, I think. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. What would be number three? I don't know. Let's look. All right. Hold on a sec. Everybody stand by while we, uh, while we look something up on Google. Sierra Nevada. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I was, which I was going to say either them or stone. I was going to say Sierra Nevada hundred percent makes sense. I mean, the founder was the first billionaire to become a billionaire by beer. Oh, I did not know that. But or by craft beer. Okay. So well, yeah, fair enough. I did not know. I, I didn't know the founder of uh, Sierra Nevada was a billionaire. Yes. Well done. So and then after that, I'm looking at the 2018 list. So so uh, it's changed a bit. But 2019 hasn't finished up. So this fair is enough. the newest list. So you have Yingling, Boston Beer, Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Duval Morgat, and then uh, Gambrius. How is Duval really Duval is gets to be on that list? Because 
The only thing I could think of is because don't they they own they own Firestone Walker? Do they they not? own a portion of Firestone Walker, a okay. portion of Boulevard, uh, and a portion of Oma Gang. So I'm thinking either because they don't own more than 25% of each mm-hmm. or because no one owns them. Okay. But under that, a B and Bev would I was going to say, so I mean, that's... And I, that's and I'm that, thinking they're under the 25% mark on everything. That, I mean, that's that's kind of, that, that goes to where I, I get annoyed with how muddy they've made the waters here because, you know, if you get to... You know, I, I ranted about this uh, uh, way back when you know, Boston Dogfish Head and... Mm-hmm. Uh, episode where it's like okay, but you know if you can own a brewery and still independent, still independent, then who? What is the stop ABMF yeah. except for that barrel limit? I went a whole, I went on that whole rant. Uh, I just did again, but so following Gambrius, uh, you got Bell's Brewing, the Canarchy, Oscar Blues, and now uh, Cigar City and a few others. I think yeah, which they've now released uh, Canarchy mixed IPA pack. Like hitting all Oscar Blues market, so like we could go get a deep LEM out of Texas IPA in that mix twelve pack of IPAs. So it's the Guibera from Cigar City, uh, their Cano Bliss from Oscar Blues, uh, Deep Williams IPA, and one other, all in there. And two of those breweries don't even service this market, but you can get it in this market because of that mix pack. Nice. Um, I'd look for that mix pack. Then you got Stone at number nine. I didn't know they were that far down. And Deschutes at number ten. That rounds out your top ten. All right. Well, uh, t- keep that list handy and uh, start working on your Deadpool list, folks. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have a great prize for the winner, and by great prize, I mean you'll be able to, to accurately produce accurately predict the death of craft beer. Tyler, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> uh, what what's next? I've got a nice, fun little article. Um, from Craft Brewing Business, uh, talking about hop growing. So most people know hops, especially if you're here in the Pacific Northwest. It's harvested once a year. The crop grows uh, outdoors on a vine, uh, runs up the vine on a trellis, and it's harvested every year around August. Correct. And that... And that- Produces one of the best times of the year with fresh hop beers. Yeah, that a, a, a kind of a unique uh, style here in the Pacific Northwest or other hop growing regions, where you take the hop directly off the vine and put it directly into the brew pot. It's a it's it's a wonderful, wonderful, unique way of hopping beer. Yes. Well, uh, Colorado State University plant scientist Bill Borelli, I hope I didn't butcher your name, Bill, uh, is hoping to kind of flip that up on his head. Um, so he just wrapped up a study that went for three years and 13 grow cycles of hops. Good God. So he's been working on this for a minute. Yes. Um, he just published his report in the scientific reports. Um, but he's been trying to figure out whether, uh, you can harvest more than once a year. So they partnered with Philips Lighting to come up with a special pink-hued state-of-the-art LED lighting system at the Colorado State Horticultural Center. Um, His whole thing was, can we basically grow this indoors, hydroponically, and can we do more than one harvest a year? Um, With here, uh, 
because hops need a lot of sun, and that's why the Pacific Northwest is at that right latitudinal mm-hmm. mark where you get that 16 hours of sun in the summer, and other places in the country don't really get that and so struggle to grow the hops. Doing it indoors, they can kind of recreate that. Um, so he talks, he goes, We fooled our hops into thinking it was the middle of summer in British Columbia or somewhere else with an appropriate day length. So we could grow them all year round. Um, with this here, uh, a lot of farmers, hop farmers, and horticultural specialists thought that they needed a low temp dormancy period called vernalization. 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 Um, for the hot buds to reset themselves under a cold winter. Um, but with his experiment, his whole experiment was to disprove that. So with controlling the lighting very precisely, they were able to extend the, extend the dormancy period, which was necessary for healthy hot flowers. Um, he was able to prove that they do not need that winter period of dormancy. So he was actually able to harvest four times in one year. So, I mean, I mean, you may not know, you may not be able to answer this, but let me see if I follow. So the way hops are har- harvested now is essentially you go through, you cut off the vine and you take and you just, and you just, ap- you just shake the flowers off of them through a mechanical process. Yep. So it's a process where you basically tie the vine onto one end. It's got, rollers that basically rip all the leaves and flowers off of that vine and just pull that vine straight through and you just toss it and then it's got a series of different conveyor belts uh that sort out the leaves and then it kicks out to where you would sort and basically you have to have someone standing there if the whole machine's working properly you're like oh here's one leaf (laughs) oh here's another as all these right. hot flowers are going by. So, I mean, so you essentially, you, you, you cut off the vine and the plant stays alive in the rhizome, uh, which is underneath the ground. Um, but in this case, what they're, they're not, the vine stays, they're just picking the flowers and they're able to train the, to, to get the vine to produce I another round. I think they're pulling the vine. Okay, they're still pulling the vine though. And then regrowing. Uh, didn't specifically say in the article, uh, but he talks about how, like, Colorado could start implementing basically grow warehouses of hops where doing it by the outdoor method they couldn't. So now that Colorado can start implementing wet hop beers okay. or fresh hops. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's my question. That, therein lies the next question is, all right, this sounds cool, but I mean, is it, does it have any practical application besides per- being able to produce fresh hop beers always? Yes, because... More markets can grow it. It can drive down. Citra is the perfect example. It's in such high demand because most, almost every hazy IPA has it. So now if other places can start recreating this, you can go grow Citra all across the country. And now that lowers the market price. I'm sure Yakima Hops will love that. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually John Haas that created that one. But, okay. Uh, Sorry, and, John. Uh, with this, he also talked about how it reduces the need of pest controls. Okay. Yeah. And uh, 
it reduces the amount of soil related pathogens that can affect because you're in a controlled Fair. environment okay. uh which also some hop strains are more susceptible to the soil pathogens and you really have to control where others are not so those and you can take like a new zealand hop like galaxy that's super expensive but gives that real rich and you can recreate the soil conditions here in the united states recreate the light and i wouldn't mind being able to grow a, a galaxy or a, a nelson Sauvin hops uh nearby yeah i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind a fresh nelson Sauvin hop beer I would, i'd be okay with that yeah so it just really opens up like the availability and also the experiment of breeding new hops i mean yes they're already breeding so many new strains that we'd be fine at the pace but now it just shifts into another gear where in a controlled environment you can really just create something crazy to come up with a whole new flavor profile <laughs> I, the thing I worry about is many strains are coming out is how many are going to stick because I swear I get a new I get a new email from Yakima Hops about every about two I get about two a week saying new hop strain I'm going these are great but how many of these am I going to be able to get I mean you the the amount of the amount of, and I guess this maybe maybe uh, uh, part of what's handy the amount of initial investment for a hop a crop of hops is huge. I mean, once you have the once you have the hops, they become they they almost need nothing, in the form of uh, maintenance. But, but it usually takes three harvests, right? Which, if you can get three harvests, which used to be three years, in less than one year. Well, fair enough. Okay. And he references in the article, up until ten years ago, we didn't have the technology as far as the LED lights, and controlling the photo periods like we do. Uh, because people couldn't get the plants to develop like they would outside, they assumed the lower flowering period was because they lacked the vernalization period. Okay. So now with this advanced technology, it's growing this. And so I'm really curious to see if almost, and he talks at the end of the article, how he's starting to get into this with hemp now, which similar family. Right. Uh, I mean, people have been doing this with pop for years and years. What kind of crazy strains are going to come out? And is this commercially feasible? I know, I'm sure Mill 95 or Yakima Chief Hops or any of the Northwest people, what's to stop them from putting an underground greenhouse basically underneath their current hop fields <laughs> and just turning and burning i just i suddenly got this picture of like this super secret underground hop layer <laughs> but <laughs> but this, yes mr bond what we shall do is we shall grow the hops down here and and you're going to you're going to make beer yes mr bond <laughs> but and we talked about this with the uh, flying dog partnering with university of maryland right. i i feel the more fresh hop can get out the more people will get out of the saying of I don't like hops. Well, okay, maybe, but there's something I don't know. I think if we lose the seasonality of fresh hop beers, you're losing something because there is something you, There is gonna be some collateral damage. I mean there's something uniquely 
about the harvest, about uh, about fresh hop beers. Oh, it it's super fun working for a brewery, going out to the hop farm, standing there picking out leaves as the hops are rolling by. <laughs> Hand picking them fucking sucks. Don't ever do that. It's terrible. Uh, but going by and just having being out there in the field, seeing this all happen. And when you tie it off and throw it in the car and you're driving back in the car and it just smells like fucking hops. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. The future the, the future of hops, you heard it here first. Unless you read the article, then you probably read it there first. But, <laughs> but uh, you at least heard two drunk idiots talk about it here first. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Lagunitas is either brilliant or insane. I don't even know what it, what it is even more now. Why not both? <laughs> so, all right. Lagunitas. Has been on the radar a lot recently. Um, in episode 19, we talked about how Lagunitas was closing a community tap room in Portland, which got us talking about some of the weirder things that they're into. We talked about, yeah, the community tap room, which is basically a place for nonprofits to hold events with free beer, apparently. They closed that down, but I actually read an update on that where uh, Lagunitas uh, promised uh, to, to anybody that had their event uh, canceled that they were going to still provide free beer, whatever they required to keep it going. Because it doesn't cost that much for Lagunitas to donate a couple kegs. We talked a couple weeks ago about uh, Hi-Fi Hops, their THC-infused hop water. We had a blast with that one. (laughs) And now this. We almost burnt out on that. (laughs) Ah, go to hell. (laughs) Um, Lagunitas has started canning their flagship IPA. Um, the Petaluma Brewery has been notoriously resistant uh, against canning. In fact, their first beer in cans was called the Twelfth of Never. Um, because he said he'd never can a beer. And it contained uh, this lovely poem, if you've not ever seen the can. Quote, As the river sticks froze and the final pig took flight, when the last winged monkey departed the darkly fragrant Netherlands, and wish be- wishes became horses, and all the beggars rode under a newly blown moon at the dawn of the very twelfth of never. The second to last, last craft brewer in America pressed the green start button on their canning line. We wanted to be the last small brewer in the U.S. to can their beer, and maybe by now we are. When they started canning that, they weren't fucking small at all. <laughs> Heineken owned a portion of it, so I'm like, okay, just can because you ain't small anymore. So. So anyway, but technically when you were small, you never can. So you still ride that. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was, that was their first canned beer. They still have been sort of resistant towards canning, mostly bottling most, uh, a lot of their beers. But recently they started bottling their flagship IP, or sorry, canning, canning their flagship IPA. Uh, Brewbound's uh, Jessica Infante. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Jessica. I'm sorry. Um, but she reports that uh, the new chief marketing officer, Kelly uh, Murahan, again, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Kelly. We're just fucking up names today. <laughs> Look, I love you ladies. Please have less complicated last names. <laughs> Especially... Or put the phonetic pronunciation of your name <laughs> right underneath. Especially when I've been drinking. Um, anyway, Kelly wanted to focus on, uh, wanted to really put more of the focus on this American craft staple, the uh, Lagunitas IPA, like one of the premier examples of a West Coast IPA. Um, she wants. She first wanted to start promoting it on a global level. Um, Lagunitas is available in 35 countries, thanks to their uh, uh, being owned by Heineken. Um, they plan to really roll out a, gar- a global marketing initiative next year. But first, they want to do uh, something drastically different with their IPA here locally. So, what do they do? 
Save an ass load on shipping. <laughs> well, yeah, but how are you going to... Let me listen. All right. We're talking about an IPA that's well over 20 years old. And canning is not new. I mean, they're a little bit behind the boat when it comes to uh, when it comes to canning. So, what? Do, so if you're Lagunitas and you've also smoked basically your entire weight in weed, what is your marketing campaign to let people know about your flagship IPA? A beer and a bong. You'd think. A smoking a pancake, <laughs> piping a crepe. Um, it is to uh, to open the Lagunitas IP or, or the the Can Home Shopping Network. Yeah, of course, these fucking stoners who have probably watched the Home Shopping Network more times than an old lady on her fifth nursing home would open a Can Shopping Network. The they created some videos, and they are spectacular. I posted a bunch of them on Twitter. I'm going to post some more uh, coming up. Um, they're, and they're also floating around the internet. Um, they basically have taken their their IPA logo and slapped it on some truly amazing things. Um, they've got... Now, you can go to uh, store.loganias.com. <laughs> By the way, all these have videos that go with them, which are, which are, are brilliant by themselves. <laughs> The giant AP, IPA body pillow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. The giant inflatable flappy IPA thingy. It is basically one of those like used it's car. It's a wizard staff. No, it's a, one of those used car dealership oh, the, things. The, the, that, but it's the, the I, tube man. Yeah. But it's like a wizard staff that's flopping around. <laughs> you can buy one of them for only four, $419.99. I feel like I really want one of those. <laughs> um, apparently sold out was the gold IPA pull tab clutch bag. It is a it, it is a small handbag decorated with gold <laughs> versions of the IPA splat pull tab. Um, here's my favorite. Um... It so, beats the wizard staff that flops around. <laughs> kind of, because it's like the opposite. So those are both those are both uh, uh, in, way too expensive for your average person, unless you have a lot of disposable income. Here's something for uh, we need to start a GoFundMe for some of these items. <laughs> handmade IPA shuffleboard puck set. You can yeah. <laughs> You can buy what appears to be crushed IPA cans for 12 bucks a 12-pack. <laughs> I really, really hope somebody... In fact, I actually want to order these and then make a complaint going, but they're just crushed beer cans. <laughs> I'm like, you can almost get their IPA in a 12-pack for that same price and then drink the beer and crush the cans yourself. <laughs> no, no, see, but if you look closely, Tyler... Uh, these have tape on the top, so you can so you can see which team is which. Oh, so you get electrical tape, cut it in half, and wrap it around the top. Um, the IPA gym esque bag, because if you're drinking, if you're Lagunitas, don't yeah, go to the yeah. gym. So it's a gym esque. They bag. have a gym bag for their drugs and beer. The succulent IPA can, so you can you can get a uh, a succulent for your very own home, growing out of a Lagunitas IPA can. <laughs> And I don't want. I want to stress that the. I real... feel it may have been a bad idea to come here a couple beers in because I want to buy like six of these things. <laughs> I mean, and I, I I want to stress. All I like have... that you're wearing the Lagunita shirt as well. Wasn't it wasn't on purpose? It was accidental, but yes, <laughs> I should have worn mine. <laughs> um, but uh, these all have videos and they're all spectacular. 
the official IPA stash can, a a uh, an IPA can that opens up so you can stash your valuables. Because you know, if if what are better? How places? is that not sold out? I don't know. It's just uh, um, you know what we're better to to hide your stuff than um, on Saint Valentine's Day. Yeah, than a and then a, a a can of beer because nobody's gonna bother that. That palette became way more valuable. The IPA footrest, a, a cute plush little footrest bearing Lagunitas IPA logo, and it looks like it's slightly been crushed. <laughs> All right, here's one for the kids: the i the Lagunitas IPA mini drum kit. So, can really accentuate those hangovers in the morning. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't seen, the drum set looks like cans with the can tops. And um, so that's yeah. Again, that's again. I don't know if this is if this is goddamn brilliant or fucking stupid. <laughs> if it was anyone besides Lagunitas, I'd be like, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> Lagunitas, I'm like, you guys are fucking geniuses. I don't want to belabor the point, but this is what happens when you let stoners control a major company. <laughs> like me and you said when Heineken first bought like a portion of Lagunitas, we're like, oh, yeah, he did that so he could go smoke weed in Amsterdam. And now he's like, oh, wait, I can smoke weed in California, but I still have all that Amsterdam money. Let's do stupid shit. <laughs> They're just, I mean... Yeah, they're just they're just blowing money on bizarre shit now. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, go to shop.loganias.com, check it out. I don't know, buy yourself some empty crushed beer cans for shuffleboard, or buy me the f- flappy cans, <laughs> the the giant inflatable flappy can thing, and we'll have it flying in the corner of our podcast every episode. Do you hear that, Loganitas? If you actually just send it to us, we'll I, I will ha- make sure that that's- I know the Loganitas rep here in town, so I might be like, hey. Can I get this? Yeah, see what you can do. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll I'll I'll feature it prominently on all of our uh, I'll, every I'll, picture will have the Lagunitas flappy cans in for it. at least like let's say six months. <laughs> for like two years, if we get it for free. Okay, for two years, six months if, if someone gets it for us, but two years if we get it directly from Lagunitas. All right, Tyler. Anything else uh, uh, tonight? No, someone start me a GoFundMe page for that. <laughs> but outside of that, no. Well, unfortunately, we do have one last bit of business to Oh, I uh, forgot attention. about this. How did you forget about this? I, I got distracted by the cool stuff on Loganita Shopping I Network. I should have shut my goddamn mouth. So yesterday, or last yesterday, last week, um, at the end of our last episode, Tyler threw out almost as a uh, as a throwaway that anybody that left a five-star review... Yeah, how did you not edit that out? <laughs> I'm a goddamn idiot. I... <laughs> Um, if anyone left a five-star review, I would chug a Coors Edge. Um, we talked about Coors Edge a little bit last week. Um, the good people at Coors made a non-alcoholic beer, stole a, uh, uh, a, a logo from one of the local breweries, allegedly, but they totally did. Um, but anyway, so the Coors Edge is a non-alcoholic version of Coors, and Tyler threw out that if we got a five-star review, I would chug one, and without thinking too hard about it, I agreed. And someone left us Dumbass. a five star review. <laughs> so that's all it takes these days. <laughs> I mean, oh no, you gotta go straight from the bottle, man. What? Nope, we're gonna go ahead and do it this way. <laughs> there was beer in that, so it's not the same. And you left like half your fucking. I was getting there. I was letting it. Oh my god. It's you know the the worst part is I suck at chugging beer, so this is just gonna be embarrassing as all shit. Don't worry, there there will be a video posted about this. 
Um, all right. So I just want to say uh, to the person who left the five-star review. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you for listening. Fuck you a little bit. Mostly thank you. But fuck you just a little bit. Okay. Cheers. Cup the balls, Jeremy. Cup the balls. You didn't even finish it. Finish fuck. that. I'm, I'm gonna. Fuck you. Come on. It's not even alcoholic. I'm disappointed. <sighs> ah. Okay. For anybody that wanted to know what a Coors Edge tastes like, right now, there is a party in my mouth, and everyone was invited, but nobody showed up, so there's just one guy sitting alone in a chair masturbating. That's what's going on right now. And his name is Jeremy Jones. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this has been... It's all beer. Um, you can get a hold of us. Uh, uh, you can find us on Twitter at it's all beer, um, on Facebook at it's all beer, and actually I just set up an Instagram page because that's what those crazy kids are doing these days. You can find punk- okay boomer. <laughs> you can find- you- okay boomer me. I'll throw a pen at your ass. <laughs> according according to uh, the everything I've read, I'm like a millennial by like nine months. It's, the cutoff is 1981. So. My fiance is a millennial, just barely on the other side. And one of her, she's an elementary school teacher, one of her kids goes, okay, boomer. And she's like, I'm not a fucking boomer. She's like, you know what a boomer is? They're born from here to here. She's like, my dad is a boomer. She's like, millennials came up with that to combat them. So shut your mouth. You're Generation 8 Tide Pods. Uh, your, your fiance, soon be wife, is kind of my hero. Anyway, uh, we do have an Instagram page where I assume you'll be able to see a video of me Poorly chugging a non-alcoholic beer, um, as well as what we've been drinking and all that shit. Um, and also, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Excuse me. <laughs> and re- it's fucking awful. And <laughs> tastes worse coming back up. And leave us a review. Um, uh, you can uh, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. On Facebook as well. I still have five more of these goddamn things. So or, another five star Jeremy will chug another. I guess what I'm saying is yes. Um, if you but if, you have to put Ali Ali Oxenfree in there. You just have to put some. You have to you have to write something there. So I have a can, can kind of get a time step. But yes, if I guess what I'm saying, if you love the podcast and want to see me tortured, uh, yeah, leave us a leave us a review uh, with a little note, even if it's just uh, great job, guys, or you know, suck it, Jeremy. <laughs> And I'll chug yet another one of these awful, awful non-alcoholic beers. Or if you hate the podcast and want to punish me for this... Leave us five stars. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, that's that that's happening. I don't know how this uh, that happened, but uh, yeah, leave us a review and I will continue to punish myself with terrible non-alcoholic beer. Because I'm an enabler. And that'll be all from us. I, I'm a much sadder Jeremy Jones. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman I'm and happy a- as can be. <laughs> I'm going to go have a real beer now. Enjoy.